You're very welcome to the Westport Harleen podcast and I hope you stay with us over the next few weeks as we look back and forward at some of the milestones in the Harleen Club over the last 40 years and indeed over the last 100 years as well. My first guest is the current chairperson of the Westport Harleen Club, Stephen Gallagher. And before we talk about Harlan and coaching and your own involvement, Stephen, tell us a little bit about the Gallagher family and your connections here to Westport. Well, we're born rare here in, in, in Westport. Uh, we had no real connection to uh, the GA club as such. Uh, it was just something that happened by chance, really, that you know I got involved with Harlan. But um, the family itself, you know, my father, I'll be good to him, and you know, would have played a bit of football in his in his day and maybe a bit of handball, but. Overall, never a real involvement in the running of a club. When you were growing up, was football and hurling, was it strong in Westport? Were you aware of it? No, no, I wasn't aware of hurling at all. It was only later down I became aware of hurling. Uh, yeah, football, yeah, we, I did I did play uh, with the schools and all that. Didn't say much. I played a, a small bit with the club, but very vague, very vague, like, you know. So I played a bit of handball, all right, like, you know, as uh, more of a social thing than, than anything, like, you know, so... That was kind of my involvement with the GA growing up, like, you know. How did you get involved then? Because you played for so many years and you got involved, obviously, in the administration then as well. Yeah, it seems I played a good while, but uh, <laughs> I was the wrong end of the clock when, when, I, when I finished, like, you know. But uh, no, I got involved, uh, I think at the time it was a mate of mine, John Moore, that got me involved. Um, they were doing a bit, if, if anyone remembers, there was a, a pitch down at Allergan. There, uh, we used, you know, the likes of Charlie Keith and Stephen Broderick, Tony O'Keefe, probably go to them two people, and Michael Lockery and, and a few more like that. That just that's kind of, I suppose, re re energize hurling into Westport again. And from there, a few, you know, one mate to another and come along for the crack. And I went around a couple of times for the crack, and you know, it went on from there. And like that, maybe a couple of people that knew me came along for the crack too. and you know, it went from there, you know, the Allegan pitch on a Sunday morning, maybe it's the ball gate or a Sunday morning, depends on where we get in those slot, like, you know, but uh, we weren't any youngsters racing around, around the field either, you know. Where was the ball gate? It's down there on the, just on, on, on your left, as you go down the golf course road, so there was a little pitch in there, decided where the Westbrook United Grounds is at the minute, like, you know. When you did get involved in the 80s, who were the main men then, and what were the structures like before you got involved yourself? The main men, again, as I said, would be the Michael Lockery, Stephen Brodericks, Tony Keegan's, you know, Dick Henry would have been involved, yes, and uh, Dennis, Dennis Harris, that ought to mention him as well, like, you know. What years did you play, Stephen? Because you did play at cornerback, and you, you ventured out the field a little bit further to the wing-back position as well. I probably got involved in the mid to late 80s playing, like, you know, I, I did play a, a lot of my hurling kind of cornerback, you know, I wasn't blessed with the, you know, with the pace that some of them have today, like, you know, but uh, it was a kind of a, a safe spot in one way, like, you know, but uh, as the years wore on and, you know, the game upped a bit, uh, I got an odd run at the, in the full forward spot, you know, you know, the old saying, stay in on the square, like, you know. Who were the players involved at that time and, you know, who were the driving forces, I suppose, on the team? Because there was a very good period there in the 90s uh, when you when the Westport Hurling Club reached a, a number of county finals and county semi-finals as well in the senior grade. Yeah, look, uh, I suppose you know you had the Keegan brothers there. You had 
I suppose the the old, the old guard was still there, you know, maybe the, the Stephen Broderick, you know, Mel Kenny, Peter Reynolds, the, these guys, you know, local lads, they, they they were all still involved, John Moore, like, you, you know. We had lads in from, uh, I suppose, I came to town to work in Allegan at the time. Pat Ryan was, I mean, an, an, another stalwart that came into the town and still in the town, like, you know. Looking back, we'll say, at those early years, how important was it that the, the underage got going? Because the seniors had kind of stayed there through the 60s and a little bit through the 70s, but getting the underage up and going, and I think it started in 82, how important was that? Them times, I suppose the talk was, you know, you have a senior team and you have something for your underage to, to strive towards, like, you know. And it was important, and it was relaunched, and there was... Now, I wouldn't have been involved in coaching at that time, so I wouldn't have known it much about it, but the Richie Joyce's as well, and them lads, like, you know, the Joyce brothers, you probably know some of them yourself, like, you know. Them lads started coming through, and there was a core of good lads there then started coming through. We had the Sean Kennings up from Kilmina, and lads like that. And they went on, and eventually they won a minor title. From there, the bit of success started coming, like, you know, and, okay, there was only four or five underage teams, but... You know, every every day you set out play hurling, you had to be touring, like you know, and and that that was the goal, like you know. But from there, I suppose there was a base for underage, and you know maybe the likes of myself and maybe other lads coming through. Then you know who we did get involved with, seen it can be done, like you know. And I suppose a man I'm forgetting there too to mention maybe would be the great Andy Dye, like you know he was a great promoter of the game too. But like he had lads that played, and he would have been very much involved with underage, like you know. When did you get involved yourself then, Stephen, we'll say, in the coaching and in the administration when you went to the club meetings and said, well, listen, I'll try and help and develop it and promote it as well? I want man to thank for that, so I have a <laughs> God be good to him. Again, uh, Stephen Roderick, you know, uh, we, we got on well together, myself and Steve, and I was at the end of my playing career and I suppose we're looking for change, new ideas, fresh faces maybe at the top table, and he asked me would I put my name forward. I was doing a bit at the time, maybe coaching and whatnot. So I let my name go forward, and uh, I suppose from that it's history, like, you know. I hate to say how long I have been in and out of that bloody chair, like, you know, but it would have been, uh, it would have been I suppose, in the mid-90s, I suppose. What are the achievements and the milestones when you look back, Stephen, for, you know, being involved in the executive for almost 30 years at this stage? What are the milestones? What are the areas where you say, we did well there? In the mid to late 90s, we just seemed to have got a bit of momentum going. We had a good, good, good underage group. We were winning in our county title, you know, at different age groups and whatnot. And Lord of me hold, we got this group of lads together and uh, Joseph McCrone and Jim Hogan as well that were involved at this stage. And uh, we ended up qualifying for Fela, which was a, a big achievement at the time. We actually ended up winning our, our uh, division outright. So... Um, we became, I suppose, call us what you want. They're still, still in All-Ireland. So they were All-Ireland champions at under 14, that group of lads. That was a good day, good year, and what we had put in the previous years was a build-up. And we were looking forward to the future. Just thinking back to that brilliant afternoon in Walsh Park in Waterford, the All-Ireland Fela hurling final, uh, you beat the Kilkenny champions, Ron Moore, that day. What an achievement from a, a small club that had kind of just reformed in 1982. I look at probably still is to this day one of the big achie- achievements going, like, you know, and uh, no one give us a prayer, like Mayo, like, you know, God help us. Like, you know, that was kind of the thing. But uh, I remember that weekend when the first the first evening we were down there, we were down there on a Friday, and it was horrendous with rain, 
horrendous. We actually had to go and find a washateria after the first games and try and get all the gear dried and ready to go again the next day. But we were blessed. We, you know, we we had a good core of lads that time and they were all hitting the, the 40 mark around that stage. And we, we had a five or six lads in from the Loseburg Club as well, you know, and they made a big big difference. So we had a good, solid team, you know, they were honest lads, you know, and they were physically strong, like, which made a big difference. It's a great memory and look at it's 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 history and it, it's can never say they didn't win in all Ireland like, you know. Talking about Fela, that has been a very important competition for the Westport underage hurlers through the years and I think that you won seven Mayo Fela's in a row, which means you went on to seven national finals all over the country. Yeah, look, it, it became a part of the calendar and the aim, every team coming through, actually, when, the, when we did get there, was to, it was became bigger nearly than a county final for us to win, to win the Fela finals. The first year, I think we played in played under 12, but we were still a very young team. We didn't win a game. It was a bit hard to go, but... The lads stayed at it, and like everyone was getting games, and we had a panel about 24, and they all stayed at it. And um, Lord of me whole, and the next year come, we made the under 12 county final. I remember well, it was Grant and Claire Morris, and uh, best of my knowledge, it did go, go to extra time, and we were playing Belly Hornets, who were strong at the time, like you know. It turned out to be one of the proudest days in, in, in my terms o- over a team. Time was running out again, and one ball out from our goalie, it fell between Jack Kearney and my own lad, uh, Keelan, and between them they played a 1-2 and one shot and the ball hit the corner of the net and next thing the final whistle went and I was standing on the sideline and I didn't know the laugh, cry or whatnot. It was, I thought for the lads I hadn't won nothing, you know, the previous year to win that, it it was great. And from there, that's where it all started really, in the in the run for all these failure titles. This group of lads, they, they got two, two, some of them got two, some of them got three years going to fail it. You ended up going down to Kerry, Limerick, Tipperary, everywhere. Oh, stop, man, stop. You know, we, we, we had the country covered, like, you know, and I suppose, look, there's memories, you know, that, that you have, you leave some behind you, but you bring some with you, but uh, the, the memory lives on, and no matter where we went, we were always well looked after, and the teams have always lifted our game. They've always done what we've made, semi-finals, quarter-finals. You know, we have been unlucky in maybe one or two due to injuries of one or two other little things like you know but there's no doubt about it. we could have won uh, one of those failures in the later years in a higher division but look at the opportunity was to go away play better teams we did what's your own philosophy on hurling and what do you like to see happen um we'll say in the years to come now in the westport hurling club what's that kind of little magic that you take to hurling or to take to coaching I think it's the great Brian Cody that has said it in the past, like, you know, that, um, and I'd be 100% in agreement with him. You can have your laptops, your stats, your computers, your your drills, and all these things. He said, pretty close to his words would be that, um, you know, if you want to play hurling, it's like homework. you got to go with the stitcher in your hand and the hurl up on the wall or cable and practice, practice, practice. The club has ambitions, you know, uh, from a club perspective and my own perspective uh, as chairman or soon to be ex-chairman hopefully um, I'd love to see the club progressing maybe to getting getting to a county senior final you know that has to be the aim of the club you know I know we're a dual club and we're very successful at football and we do lose players the dual players and unfortunately but maybe we have to reassess and maybe see 
where we're going and maybe the player we should be looking at going forward. Like. What does Hurland mean to you, Stephen, after being involved so many years? And how important is Hurland to Westport and that it would be promoted and protected in the years ahead? Uh, difficult question to answer, really. Uh, there's something about about it. If you go around there, you have your club jacket on, you, and you have Westport hurling on or whatever. You know, your stranger could walk up to you on the street and say, oh, you know, hurling in Westport. Yeah, we have, like, you know, but... Uh, there's there's just something about it, like, you know, uh, a lot of kids want to try it. They see it on television, and they've got to know these names, maybe, down through the years, the Cannings and, and all, all those, you know, the Shefflands and, you know, the David Fitzgeralds and the Brian Cody's. They've got they've, these names have become household names. And kids, you know, and I suppose television has brought, you know, Hurling maybe into everyone's home. I suppose you'll sit down and look at a good game of Hurling, it's hard to watch a football match after, like, you know, the the speed and the intensity of, of hurling, like, you know, be it, you know, there's no sport like hurling in the world, like, you know, that's my opinion, like, you know. 30 years involved, we'll say, from an administration and coaching point of view, what would you like people to think, or what would you like your legacy to be when people look back at those 30 years, Stephen? I hope I made friends, you know, and I think I made a lot. When you're in administration, you're going to rattle someone's cages now and again like you know sometimes you know you have to be thick skinned to do that it's, it's like on the football pitch when the meeting is over when the conversation is over you shake hands and you move on and I still speak to everyone like I would say to any incoming officer you know do your term move on or move around the table for a while you know but one thing I can say and I've seen it in our own club in the last four or five years every position has changed except the chairman and that's changing this year and um it has been brilliant. You've seen it yourself. You know, the different ideas coming into the club. It has been brilliant. Did you enjoy your time, Stephen, involved in the club? And, and you're not moving away from the club because you'll always be involved and in part of the, the Westport GA club and in particular the Hurling Club. Ah, look, I did. I enjoyed the time. I, I had, you know, the, the lads growing up to, you know, when my own started playing, like, you know, I enjoyed it. Did my wife, Mary? She did. She did. She loved Hurling to be Hurling in, in our family father's back our, our family background our father came from Limerick she did like it we got she got to a lot of games but I suppose if you put in I put in a lot of time dedication to the club and maybe at times things were neglected a small bit at home but I suppose the fact that I could take a couple of lads with me and never go ease the burden a bit but uh, I do it all over again but maybe not the same amount of work at, at any given time like you know Finally, Stephen, we ask all our guests to pick a piece of music that they like or something that they would play before a match heading down to St. Patrick's Park or maybe on the way to uh, Crow Park. What piece of music would you like to finish or what artist do you enjoy listening to uh, when you'd be getting ready for a big match or, or heading off to Crow Park? I remember going away midweek. We used to have these Connacht League matches and they, they were great. They were great crack. They were a social event as much as anything. Like, you, know, you know, we'd always get an old bus. You know, we'd have the points of milk after the game and a ham sandwich and you know things like that but uh, we've been coming home the bus and the mute the singing this out and I'm just an ordinary person so maybe we'll go with the Christian Moore or ordinary man I'm an ordinary man nothing special nothing grand I've had to work for everything I own I never asked for a lot I was happy with what I got enough to keep my family and my home they say the times are hard, and they've handed me my card. They say that not the work is over now. But when the whistle blows, the 
forgetful, fine little old. Tonight they're gonna shut this factory down. 